Nothing rattles the modern mind. Nothing rattles the modern mind like the office of the keys, the doctrine of the office of the keys. This doctrine, the office of the keys, uh, runs contrary to many of the 19th, 18th, 19th, and 20th century hymns, runs contrary to the church growth gurus and the spiritual formation guides. But it is a doctrine of the Holy Spirit. And so this evening, I want to give an apologia, a defense, a defense of the doctrine of the keys of the kingdom. I want to explain these by way of some kind of apologia, some kind of defense for the office of the keys because we find the office of the keys, uh, well, we don't find the office of the keys in a lot of Christianity and we need to rightly hold and understand this doctrine. And in arguing for the office of the keys, I want to argue for the validity the validity of Cyprian's dictum. Cyprian's dictum, outside of the church there is no salvation. That is a dictum the church confessed in the Middle Ages and then the Reformation, both in Germany or in Germany, in Geneva, Switzerland, and England, and then by the Reformed and Presbyterians of the church who hold the Belgian Confession and the Westminster Standards. That is the task of this evening. We're going to be bouncing around, so have your Bibles, Bible sword drills. We'll test those Bible sword drills. We're going to kind of jump around tonight a lot of texts, so get ready with your Bibles. Lick your fingers, get ready. <laughs> Put your Bibles in the air. <laughs> uh, we won't do that part. But denied in his own home, denied in his own home, Jesus organized his disciples into an ecclesia. Ecclesia, a church. That's the Greek word for church. Ecclesia, it comes from the word, Greek word kaleo, to call out. So the church is the called out ones, called out of the world, called out to assemble together. So the word literally means the called ones assembled. And this church is the household of God. So our first Bible text is 1 Timothy. If you have your Bibles, uh, join me with 1 Timothy. The pastoral epistles, 1 Timothy uh, chapter 3, verse 15. 1 Timothy 3, 15. You want your highlighters too, your pencils. We're going to do some underlining if you were into that sort of thing. If you're like, you know, most Christians, underline the whole Bible. It's all God's word. <laughs> Just highlight the whole thing. But 1 Timothy 3, 3, 15, Paul says, If I delay you, if I delay, comma, you may know how one ought to behave in the household of God which is the church of the living God, a pillar and buttress of the truth. The household of God, the church is a house. The church is a pillar and buttress of the truth. And as a household of God, I love that analogy, that picture of a household. There is certain behaviors in households, and there's a certain behavior in God's house. And that behavior, the behavior in God's home is decency and order. God wants decency in order. That means there is a certain, a certain discipline in the church. And the church is regulated by this discipline. It's regulated by a certain doctrine. We are the pillar and buttress of the truth. And so we live, move, and have our being in truth as Christians. And so this church, this, found, this, uh, this family, this home was also Christ uses the analogy of the church being built on a rock. Christ, having built the church on the rock, said the gates of hell will in no way prevail against it. 
the gates of hell will not prevail against this home, this church. So because, there, because there's power in the church. And the power is the truth. And it's the truth that Christ is the Messiah. And a church built on this power is too powerful for hell. A church built on the truth, this pillar and buttress of the truth, is too powerful for hell. And this power was given to Peter. That's our scripture reading. So let's turn there once more. Matthew 16. For we hear of Christ giving, given, gave Peter a certain power. Matthew 16, verses 18 through 19. And look closely at verses 18 and 19. Jesus says, I tell you, you are Peter. And on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. So Peter was given by Christ a certain power. And that power is the keys. Now keys in the Bible express control. They are signs of control. Listen to Revelation 1.18. Jesus says, I died and behold, I am alive forevermore and I have the keys of death and Hades. Jesus controls hell. Revelation 3.7 says, the words of the Holy One, the true one who has the key of David, who opens and no one will shut, who shuts and no one will open. Revelation 9.1, and the fifth angel blew his trumpet, and I saw, I saw a star fallen from heaven to earth, and he was given, the star was given the key to the shaft of the bottomless pit. Keys exercise control. Christ gave Peter control to heaven's gates. That is, Peter has the power to lock and unlock heaven. That is, he was given power to let in and power to keep out. That's what the binding and the loosening here in our text is. Whatever you bind shall be bound. Whatever you loose shall be loosed. Binding and loosing is, is a declared. It, 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 it means keeping out. It means keeping out. It means letting in. It means permitting. It means prohibiting. And it's more of a declarative work. It is the de declaration of prohibitation or the declaration of permission. So the keys are declarative, and Peter received from Jesus the power to determine. To determine, based on his confession that he is the Christ, the power to determine who is in and who is out of the church. And notice how authoritative it is. Look at the text. Whatever you bind on earth, whatever you do on earth will be done in heaven. Whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. It's a very strong language. Shall be bound in heaven. So according to Christ, the opening of heaven is established on earth. Do you see that in the text? It's very important that you see that. The opening of heaven is established on earth. At the center of the church is the ruling of who is in and who is out. At the center of Peter's ministry, at the center of Peter, is the ruling of who is in and who is not in. His word is comparable to the word of heaven. Do you see that there? I'm not making this up, right? 
<laughs> Whatever you bind on earth will shall be bound to heaven. So if you want to get to heaven, you know what you need? You need Peter. And then you can plug in all the Peter jokes right here. They all are. The, you know, the pearly gates and Peter. You need Peter. Now, according to Matthew 18, let's go to Matthew 18 now. Keep your finger at Matthew 16. Jump over chapter 18, Matthew 18. Now, according to Matthew 18, Matthew 16 not only accords to Peter, but the right of the keys belongs to all the apostles. Jesus says to all the apostles, 18, Matthew 18, 18. He says, truly I say to you, because now he's talking to the apostles, truly I say to you, that use plural, whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. And so here we see that the power of the keys not only belongs to Peter, but the apostles exercise the same power. Do you see it there? You want to get to heaven, you need the apostles. And their power is great. Whatever you bind on earth is, shall be bound in heaven. Listen to the power in John 20, 23. John 20, 23, Jesus says, If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. He's given this power to the apostles. If the apostles forgive the sins of Christians, they're forgiven, shall be in heaven. What you say on earth, the center of the church, shall be said in heaven. If you withhold forgiveness, if you bind forgiveness from any, it is withheld. And so what we see here is the apostles receive the power to forgive or retain the sins of peoples on earth, Christians, people in the church, or the hypocrites outside of the church, binding them. They hold the power to open and close heaven gates. This means you need the apostles if you're going to get to heaven. You need Peter. Now the question is, how do we get Peter today? Because Peter's gone, Peter's dead, right? Can we access the apostles was this power theirs only? Was this power only for the apostles? Was this power only for Peter? Jesus says, Matthew 18, 17, if he refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. So actually, in Matthew 18, 18, he's given this power to the church. If the brother sins against you, right? This is the, this is the way that we do Christian discipline in the church, right? You go to your brother your brother sins against you. If your brother doesn't listen, you know, you, you, gain, you gain a brother. If he listens, if not, you bring other brothers. If he doesn't listen, if he refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. And if he refuses to listen even to the church, let him be to you as a Gentile and tax collector. That is, shut the door. The keys of the kingdom for the church. Matthew 18, 17, it's given not only the apostles, it's given not only Peter, but the church exercises this discipline. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians 5. Told you we're going to jump around. 1 Corinthians 5. Beginning verse 4. Paul writes, When you are ecclesia in the name of the Lord Jesus, when you are assembled... When you are ecclesia, when you are called out from the world and you are called to be the church and in worship, that's what he's saying. When you are worshiping the Lord in the name of the Lord, when you're assembled in the name of the Lord Jesus on Sunday at worship and my spirit is present with you with the power of the Lord Jesus 
the, apostolate, the apostolic power there. You are to deliver the church. Look, at the church, you are to deliver this man to Satan for the destruction of the flesh so that his spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord. Here we see that the power of the keys of the kingdom given to the church. He says, verse 12, for what have I to do with judging outsiders? What does the church have to do with all those outsiders, all those sinners out there? Nothing. Is it not those inside the church whom you are to judge? And that judgment is an exercise of the keys. Because Jesus invested the church with the keys. This means you need the church. If you want to get to heaven, you got a D-I-E. You got to put on your coat and T-I... Oh, sorry, that's Swayland Jennings. <laughs> okay. I'll stick with my day job. <laughs> if you want to get to heaven, you need the church. Cyprian, Cyprian's, Cyprian's dictum is true. Outside of the church, there is no salvation. To bind and loosen, to protect the church, Paul calls the church to point overseers. Paul calls the church in Acts to appoint overseers. Like apostles, they have power to open and shut heaven's gate. Therefore, Paul says, obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls. That's Hebrews. Let's just go ahead and turn there since we're just going all over the place. I apologize. We're just, hey, it's, it's Bible. It's the Bible. You got to go a lot of places. Hebrews 13, 17. Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls. If you would like, you could put over that keeping watch over your souls, the office of the keys. Keeping watch over your souls. That's the office of the keys. The leaders in the church, the elders in the church. They want to give an account for this office as well, it says. As those who will have to give an account, they keep watch. They keep watch with the keys. The church is still a pillar and buttress of the truth. The gospel comes with house keys. And the elders of the church exercise those keys. That's the, that's the who. That's the who of the office of the keys. The, the church holds the office of the keys. Now we have to figure out, understand what the keys. What are the keys? What are the keys? The church has possession of these keys. What are the keys? How does the church open and close heaven's gates on earth just as in heaven? And the power of the keys is not an authoritarian, independent, or sovereign rule. It is a ministry bound to Christ. It is bound to his word and spirit. Christ governs his church by the word and spirit. He leads through the ministry of the word and sacraments. And that is Matthew 28, 19 and 20, a very familiar text. But again, let's go ahead and turn there. Matthew 28, 19 through 20, the Great Commission. And Jesus came and said to his disciples, said to the church, really, here's Jesus commissioning the church. Jesus says, all authority in heaven, on earth, and on earth has been given to me. And with this authority, Jesus commands the church, go therefore, make disciples of all nations. And here we see how the church is to go, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Christ is with his church through baptizing, sacrament, that's the sacrament that brings and brings people into the church, 
and teaching the ministry of the word that strengthens them in the church. You see, the church is created through the ministry of baptism and teaching. That's what Jesus says here. The church is created through the ministry of baptism and teaching. The word and sacraments are the only power in the church. Did you hear that? The word and the sacraments are the only power in the church. And this power is ministerial. That it is, it's declarative. Ministers declare. Ministers apply the gospel. It's a divine speech proclaimed through ordained servants. So Paul said, I knew nothing among you. He told the Corinthians, I knew nothing among you but Christ and him crucified. That's his way of saying, all I did among you was the office of the keys. All I did was I came and I opened heaven. The power of the church is the gospel. It is the gospel proclaimed and it is the gospel sensed. Sensed through the water, the wine, and the bread. And the word and sacraments give the church the law and gospel. And the law and gospel is the sum of all ecclesiastical power. That's all the power we have in the church. And this power is the administration of the word and sacraments. You see, the word and the sacraments give the church the power to teach. The word and sacraments give the church the power to discipline. And the word and sacraments give the church the power to govern. So the word and sacraments are the government of the church. The word and sacraments are the government. Now, you might be thinking, but I thought we're Presbyterian. And the answer is yes, we are. And the elders of the church govern only with the word and the sacraments. That is, when you come to your minister, when you come to your elders, if you go see Tim, your elder, and you want to see Tim, all Tim can do, all that is binding, all that Tim can bind you to is the word and sacraments. Tim can give you wisdom. He can give you prudence. You can get that from your other brothers and sisters in the church as well. And it is good to go see your elders for wisdom and prudence. But all that you have to obey, what you have to submit to, what he will bind you to and to you only is word and sacraments. That's it. That's the only power in the church. And you must find it from your minister and from your elders. For by this government, the dead are raised to new life. By this government, our sins are really forgiven. And by this government, heaven is open to those who believe. But to those who do not believe, who show by their life and doctrine to be false, they are by the powers of the keys, denied the sacraments and excluded from the church. This is the exercise of the keys in in loosening. And without the office of the keys, there is no church. For where the people of God are assembled... They are assembled around the word and the sacrament. And if there's not in this assembly, if in the assembly of the church you do not see excommunication, if you never see the exercise of the keys publicly, as Paul says, when you are assembled, when you are ecclesia, it must be declared that it is, it's really, Paul is really setting out the liturgical setting of the church. Public excommunication. And if you never see public excommunication in the liturgy of a church, if it's never been seen, if you've never seen it, well, there's either one or two things going on in that church. Either you belong to a perfect church and you should praise the Lord and probably leave. <laughs> Unless you mess things up. <laughs> no. You either belong to a perfect church or something else is going on. Christians, You must belong to a church that preaches the pure gospel. 
administers the pure sacraments and does church discipline. For Cyprian is true. Outside the church, there is no salvation. There is no salvation outside the church because there is no salvation outside of Christ. And by the word and sacraments, the two are inseparable. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Let's pray. At Covenant Reformed Church in Missoula, Montana, we sincerely believe God's Word and faithfully teach it. We invite you to worship with us on Sundays at 10.30 a.m. and 6 p.m. For more information, please visit MissoulaURC.com. That's MissoulaURC.com.